This is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani. Thank you for joining us today. The Sierra Leone Civil War was a brutal conflict that lasted a little over a decade and had a significant impact on the country and its youth. New research spotlights the influence that pop culture figures had on young Sierra Leonean fighters during the war. And so they wanted to be like Tupac. Um, and they also used, just like followers of Marley, they also used a lot of drugs. So this wow. is a, they exploited the messages of Tupac to fuel the war. That is Mark Summers, an acclaimed researcher and author. He joins us to talk about his new book, We the Young Fighters, Pop Culture, Terror and War in Sierra Leone. And what is the connection between antibiotic resistance and air pollution? Two of the regions that are going to be most heavily hit uh, uh, potentially by the link between air pollution and antimicrobial resistance. And that correlation was, I believe, North Africa and Western Asia nations in terms of rise of antimicrobial resistance. That is Professor Christopher Reed of Bryant University in Rhode Island. And first, let's hear from you, our listeners. Liberians went to the poll on October the 10th to elect their next president and legislators to represent them in parliament. We asked Liberians what they were looking for in their next leader. This is what they said. I want our next president to lead us with passion, lead us with integrity, lead us with transparency. Because with all of what people have done in the past, at least each time he do a work, he documented it that people will be able to see and be able to put their trust in them, have passion for the country, not to use the resources for his or her own personal gain, but rather to use it for the benefit of the people. My name is Master Pega. I want one last president to make sure that our judiciary system to be efficient in terms of dispensing duties for all librarians and even our guests within the country. Good morning, Liberians. Good morning to the world. My name is Ade Wus. I want a peaceful and transparent election. And what I want for my next president is to create new jobs for the youth, women empowerment, and a corruption-free president. Well, I'm Steven Jukba, a Liberian. I want my next president to be loyal to the people. When he makes promises, he should go by those promises. It shouldn't just be few promises. Thank you. Many thanks to all of you for your contribution to our question of the day. In case you're just joining us, this is Upfront on The Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vongani. The civil war in Sierra Leone, which broke out in March of 1991 and ended in 2002, was described as one of the bloodiest conflicts in Africa. It started when the armed group known as the Revolutionary United Front, RUF, led by Fode Sanko, attempted to overthrow the government of President Joseph Momo. During the war, various rebel groups abducted and forcibly recruited young people, turning them into child soldiers. This had a devastating effect on the youth population as they were exposed to violence, trauma and loss at an early age. A new book by Mark Summers, an acclaimed author and researcher, examines how pop culture figures like American rapper Tupac Shakur, reggae icon Bob Marley, and the movie character Rambo inadvertently radicalized young fighters and other disenfranchised youth to fight a terror-based war that lasted 11 years 
resulting in the death of more than 50,000 people with half a million others displaced. Mark joins me in studios here at The Voice of America. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. How did you get interested in this subject matter? What inspired you? So I was doing research. First of all, it's a pleasure to see you and uh, to be back here. Um, I was doing research with Sierra Leonean refugees in the Gambia in the year 2000. And before I asked my questions, I asked some of the refugees, how did you get here? So they could tell their story. And they, they started talking about Tupac, and I didn't know what they were talking about at first because I thought they were talking about, you know, <laughs> flight from, from Freetown because they were from Freetown, the capital. So what happened was is they were talking about the rebels in some parts of the city came in wearing Tupac T-shirts. They arrived in vans and trucks with the names of Tupac songs on the side. Like Tupac Shakur, the American Tupac Shakur, the rapper. American rapper, big <laughs> yes, su- superstar. Yes, yes. And it was Hit Him Up and California Love and Only God Can Judge Me. Yeah. And they ju- jumped out and they were very high on drugs and they started doing their attack. And then after the discussion about Tupac from one part of the city in another part of the city other refugees said no but in our neighborhood everybody all the rebels came wearing Bob Marley t-shirts playing reggae music from Bob Marley music smoking marijuana and then they did their attacks Mm -hmm. so uh, this was to me that's quite fascinating I was stunned I never expected this (laughs) so you go from a conversation with refugees on how they left their country to now talking about these pop culture figures right American pop culture figure Tupac Shakur four years after his death is you know still very much relevant Um, so they were they were narrating all these stories about Tupac and then Bob Marley and then so what about John Rambo how did that (laughs) so Rambo was popular for for the the films he was seen as in the war as the perfect warrior and it turned out that the rebels would use his movies as military training videos so it was Rambo Rambo films the music and style of Bob Marley and the music and style of Tupac all came together and were exploited I have to make that clear by military leaders uh, to drive the war. Mm. All right, so let's go back again a little yeah. bit. Uh, the civil war in Sierra Leone lasted about 10, 11 years. 11 years. Uh, devastating in every aspect. Uh, give us a brief history into this conflict. What are circumstances? What were the circumstances that led to the war? So there was before the war, um, there was really strong level of corruption. Uh, and the government was really run in a way almost like a business for a long time by this one leader named Shaka Stevens, who was the president for 18 years. And Sierra Leone's famous for its diamonds. Shaka Stevens had a, a network, a system where he took the diamonds. He and his colleagues, he and his other politicians. And his, his Yeah, his <laughs> network. And uh, really left very little for the government. The government was very weak by intention. Mm. The military was very weak by intention as well. And then he had these kind of these two groups of security forces that he created that were loyal to him. And so 
um, it, it was unequal, it was violent, and you couldn't, what was key is you couldn't, there was no peaceful dissent allowed. So what happened was in the 1960s, marijuana comes into the country and is raised as a, and grown as a crop and it's very powerful. And then in the 1970s, Marley comes. And so people who Bob are Marley. Look, Bob Marley yeah. and other, and Burning Spear, Peter Tosh, yeah. start coming reggae music. And the idea was that if you were a follower, you smoked marijuana and you listened to reggae music and it made you conscious of injustice. Mm. And so these were the, this was sort of the beginning of the resistance in a way. Get up, stand up. That was the big song. <laughs> and, and then in the 80s, the Rambo movies came. Yeah. And one of the things about Sierra Leone, which I think is important, is that the lingua franca is Creole, which is an ang based on it's an English Creole language. Mm. What that meant was that almost everybody in the country could understand at least some English. So Marley speaks very slowly. It's pretty easy to understand if you know a bit of English. Mm -hmm. Rambo's movies, he doesn't say much in most yeah, of most his movies. That's the action. That's right. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then in 1990s, Rambo comes in, I mean, uh, Tupac comes in, his music comes in right around when the war begins. And so at that point, the, the corruption and sort of the weakness of the government, mm -hmm. and I think the very, very blatant uh, inequality in the country, you know, ma made it very difficult for people, especially when there's no peaceful dissent. Mm -hmm. So the, 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 the stage was set for a rebellion. So how did the leadership... Uh, use uh, those elements to recruit and control these young people because yeah. mostly young people are the ones who are the drivers of this conflict but there were people that were on top the the Fode Sankos and the others that we often hear about you know what a Captain Mosquito whatever was name Commander Sam Bokaris yeah, yeah Mosquito right. was the number two for right. most of the war right yeah so how, how did they manipulate or how did they use these uh, these elements of, of culture to to, I guess, recruit and influence young people to, to fight on their behalf. So what happened was, I mean, if I, when I look back on it after doing so much research for this book, I think it would have been very difficult not to draw on particularly Bob Marley if you were, if you were leading a war because he was so influential with young people to an incredible degree. Also with adults, everybody knew everybody knew Marley in particular and most people had seen the Rambo movies mm -hmm. and had memorized them it turns out so so they came in even before the war started in Liberia the commander training featured training with the Rambo movies for how to fight a war and the first Rambo movie takes place in a rainforest mm -hmm. in, in Northwest America uh, and it's a rainforest and it's a guy who's low-tech, using low-tech weapons. And so th those were known as Rambo tactics, mm -hmm. what he did. And so the focus was on Rambo tactics. For Marley, it was really uh, ideology of resistance, of rebellion, of revolution. And so in every, according to the ex-combatants and the former commanders I interviewed for the book, every single speech that Fodesanko gave, uh, he talked about... Bob Marley and Get Up Stand Up, as you said, was the most important mm. of the songs. So fighting for your rights, don't give up the fight. Um, those were ideas that, that Fode Sanko and the other rebel leaders um, 
uh, started to draw from. But he was Marley was so popular that on the the government side, people were leaders were also making reference to Bob Marley. Interesting. And so they would play their music during in their camps, during training. How would they access this media? So in the in the units, so everything is kind of subdivided into small commander-led units, mm -hmm. and in those units, the, the members, the ex-combatants would say, and the commanders would say, well, at night, we would listen to Marley and then smoke marijuana and try to become what they would call conscious of injustice mm -hmm. and why we're fighting. And so I need to make it clear what the military leaders said about Marley was not Bob Marley's intention. Right. It was exploited. The, they were exploiting it for their purposes mm. of winning a war. Absolutely. In case you're just joining us, this is Upfront on The Voice of America. I'm Jackson Fungani. We're chatting with author Mark Summers on his new book, We the Young Fighters, Pop Culture, Terror and War in Sierra Leone. In his book, Mark looks at the connection between pop culture figures Tupac Shakur, movie character Rambo, and reggae icon Bob Marley influenced young fighters during the war in Sierra Leone. Underneath, was there any coherent political ideology? Well, it's debated. Here. I, I have looked at this. There was um, uh, ideology um, for the rebels. It was, it was very much based on you've been exploited it's a very young population. It's very youth-focused. Mm. So when we take over, you know, everybody's been, the, the leaders have been, we have diamonds, we have gold, we have timber. The leaders, the leaders are, are taking it all. You. Yes. So this time when we come in, uh, we um, uh, come in charge. Uh, uh, it's going to belong to you. That's right. All right. But only for, for males. Oh. There was nothing in the ideology for female That's youth. very interesting. There's a gender dimension to this conflict, too. I, I, and it, Do, it very big, a very big one. Yes, talk to us a little bit about that. Did the boys experience war in the same way as the girls? No. So, uh, for the most part, there were small girls units and then SBU's small boys units. Those were kind of the, the small boys. The SBU's were really in the lead of rebel attacks throughout the war. Um, small girls units did exist and they were fighters but a lot of what they, I mean the girls were abducted, nothing was promised to them, the ideology did not have anything to say about females um, and so it was very male centered in terms of when we win mm -hmm. the, boys, the boys, the male youth, the men are going to get everything but for girls they were abducted for purposes of marriage mm -hmm. forced marriage and honestly, sexual slavery. And other forms of exploitation, basically. Including farming marijuana. Wow. That was very important. That was known, marijuana yeah. to the rebels was known as government property. Government property. <laughs> so anywhere it was, they yeah. better, you better give it to them because oh, wow. it's government. That's what they would call it. Now, you, you have written about conflict in many parts of the continent, but there was something very specific about the war or the conflict in Sierra Leone. You called it terror-based warfare. Explain to us what that means. Yeah, so terror warfare is a, is a way of fighting a war that was really perfected by the rebels um, in Sierra Leone. And the focus of terror warfare is not to kill people. They kill some, but mainly to terrorize people who are alive. So with fear, you can control people. With fear, you can drive people away, say, from the diamond mines. Mm -hmm. 
and it gives the impression that you're if more people that run away it gives the impression that you're a bigger army than you are um, and then you can also abduct people so and use boys them for, and use them mm. as porters spies they were very good at spies mm. at surveillance uh, the, the rebels extremely good um, uh, as fighters and then for sexual purposes so uh, so those are the, the so the, the the idea is not to kill people mm. so much. Although obviously at least fifty thousand were killed, so it's not like they didn't kill. But the focus was really on terror, terrorizing people, not on extermination. And this was not fear. genocide. Yeah, this was really a very different kind of war. What did they see in Tupac Shakur that resonated with them? That's a great question. So um, so Tupac was different. So the rebel leaders didn't care for him. Uh, the big rebel leaders. Mm. They loved Marley. He w they were all about Bob Marley mm. and, and exploiting Bob Marley, you know, a distorted version of Marley. But they loved Marley. There was no question. Mm -hmm. What about Tupac? Tupac was popular with male youth. And one of the ways that male youth were put down before the war started was to call them thugs or a tug. And, uh, and be so before... Tupac said anything. The posters of Tupac showed Thug Life on his belly. Thug Life and all of us. I mean, he was a hero before they even heard his music because here's a guy saying, yeah, I'm a thug. You got a problem with right. that? I'm not, I'm not going to back I'm, away. I'm not afraid to say That's it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And so there was something instantly heroic about Tupac. He had style. He was fearless. Now, for soldiers, mm -hmm. being fearless... Is uh, is what they aim for. Um, the only way they so they wanted to be like Tupac. So there were certain groups. The main one was the West Side Boys, which was named after Tupac's group, the West Side Boys of uh, or the West Side contingent of of American rappers uh, in uh, in the West Coast mm -hmm. in California. And so they wanted to be like Tupac. Um, and they also used, just like followers of Marley, they also used a lot of drugs. So this wow. is a, they exploited the messages of Tupac to fuel the war. Um, uh, but he was really quite a hero for male youth. Not really for anybody else. Yeah, it, not even the leaders themselves felt, felt you know, for well, any type of... Uh, some of the yeah. command leaders at the at a at lower, lower level, level yes. yeah, they would say, "Yeah, go ahead and listen to Tupac," yeah. because there was a respect for Tupac because he was so honest, and he was what he was saying. Just like Marley, they could see the reality of what he was sing, singing about or rapping mm -hmm. about in everyday life in Sierra Leone. Mm -hmm. So they would say about Marley and Tupac, mm -hmm. uh, "It's like they're they're describing Sierra Leone." Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. VOA Africa presents the latest news about Africa and the world and its news summaries. Africa in Brief airs every day at 400, 500 and 600 UTC. Give us five minutes of your time to be brought up to date. Africa in Brief, your trusted source for news. This is Upfront on the Voice of America. We are chatting with Mark Summers about his new book, We the Young Fighters, Pop Culture, Terror and War in Sierra Leone. Mark writes about how some pop culture figures like rapper Tupac Shakur, reggae legend Bob Marley and the movie character Rambo 
played by movie star Sylvester Stallone, inadvertently radicalized young fighters and other youth to fight a terror-based war that lasted 11 years. The war led to the death of over 50,000 people and half a million others displaced. What is, uh, you know, in post-war Sierra Leone, did these figures have any type of uh, role in the rebuilding reconstruction process? Well, they did in ways that, um, again, I, uh, Bob Marley, Tupac Shakur, may they rest in peace, never intended the ways that they were, you know, their, their work would be exploited by, you know, for war. After the war, what I think we really saw was how sophisticated the interpretations were of ordinary young people. So after the war, Rambo's movies were less popular, although they were for a while, but, you know, they moved on from war. Uh, but Tupac, Tupac was like everyone, like for male youth who were really on the margins, really looked down upon. Mm. You would listen to Tupac to encourage yourself. You know, he was like a friend of yours. He was really kind of, they described him almost like a friend you know, like one uh, one way of describing it is, you know, Tupac. He fought in the American War, so that was that was. Uh, so they related to him, and then Marley was really about getting inspiration from his ideas, and again becoming conscious of injustice through smoking marijuana, listening to Marley. Mm -hmm. You could start to realize why you were in such a bad state, and for both of them, what they said was. Um, you have to, you know, believe in yourself. So get up, stand up was used to spur war during the war. Um, stand up for your rights. Don't give up the fight. So that was seen as a war kind of song. After the war, what it meant, the same song was used to say, believe in yourself. Don't let people push you away. Yeah. Push you, away. you are someone. And Tupac's some, Tupac's music, some of it has is very focused on that too. Keep your head up, for yeah. example, was an important song after the war. That was Mark Summers. Mark is the author of the new book, We the Young Fighters, Pop Culture, Terror and War in Sierra Leone. He joined me here in studio at the Voice of America. Join us next week for our second part of our conversation with Mark. Listening to Upfront on the Voice of America. This is Upfront on the Voice of America. According to a recent study conducted by researchers in China and the UK, Rising levels of air pollution may be responsible for the increase in antibiotic resistance. The study, which was published in the Lancet Planetary Health, discovered a significant connection between antibiotic resistance and airborne particulate matter, a connection that the researchers claim is more prevalent in North Africa and parts of Asia. The researchers also project that by 2050, the number of premature death caused by resistant bacteria might be decreased by more than 20% if only nations adopted the World Health Organization's recommended policies to reduce air pollution. The report also says that controlling air pollution will reduce the economic costs 
related to treating antibiotic-resistant infections. To get a better understanding on this issue, I reached Christopher Reed, a professor of biological and biomedical sciences at Bryant University in Rhode Island. Professor Reed has conducted research on innovative solutions for bacterial and fungal infections. I started off by asking him to help us understand that link between air pollution and antimicrobial and antibiotic resistance. So those studies have shown that using a large publicly available data sets that there is a really strong correlation between uh, the rise in air pollution and uh, the fact that we can detect uh, antimicrobial resistance genes on this air pollution particulate matter and the rise in antibiotic resistance. I oh. believe it showed that uh, the most recent study in the Lancet showed that uh, the two of the regions that are going to be most heavily hit uh, by, potentially by the link between air pollution and uh, antimicrobial resistance, and that correlation was, I believe, North Africa and Western Asia, Asia nations in terms of rise of antimicrobial resistance and uh, the increasing air pollution and particulate matter. And what specific air pollutants would you say are more, most concerning when it comes uh, to antibiotic resistance? So uh, what we're looking, what these studies have been looking at is solid particulate matter, so usually in the 2 to 5 micron range, right? So aerosols, right, that can be inhaled, right, and get able to get deep within the lungs and can cause a variety of pulmonary disorders. And how does antibiotic resistance spread through air pollution? Well, that at the moment we don't really know, right? So we have several studies in the last few years to show that there a high percentage of the, this particulate matter uh, tests positive for a variety of antimicrobial resistant genes, uh, but we really don't know how yet this particulate matter contributes to directly to the rise of antimicrobial uh, resistance. Mm. And are there geographic areas that are more affected by, than others? So uh, of the most recent study in the Lancet, those authors showed that uh, the more heavily hit areas are uh, African nations, particularly North African nations, as well as Western Asian countries and some nations in the Middle East. So just to get, a, again, uh, a better understanding, does air pollution actually directly cause antibiotic resistance in bacteria? Uh, we, we, that's something we yet don't know and is something that needs to be further studied. So there's more research needed to fully understand the connection between air pollution and antibiotic resistance. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, there, there's no, no concrete that uh, it directly contributes to spread. There could be several ways that uh, air pollution could contribute to the antimicrobiotic resistant pro problem, but we need, need more research in the area. And what are some of the health risks associated with this? Right, so in case of uh, uh, health risks with antimicrobial resistant, we're going to uh, uh, increase infections that we uh, do not currently have uh, or don't have uh, effective antibiotics for, which can lead to more severe infections, increased hospitalizations, right, which creates an increased burden on uh, the healthcare system in the nation, as well as some of these uh, antibiotic resistant infections can could result in very severe, long-lasting problems, as well as result in death. 
And finally, I wanted to ask you, what are some of the ways, what are some of the things that can be done to mitigate the impact of air pollution on uh, antibiotic resistance? So okay, kind of the, the late to be able to kind of combat this antimicrobial resistance problem, right? There's several ways, right, to target this. One is through good antibiotic stewardship, right, uh, uh, controlling uh, use of overuse of antibiotics in agricultural settings with livestock. And also we need uh, research and development of new antimicrobials, which is uh, that is an area in which my, my research lab here at Bryant is involved in, in the discovery and development of new antimicrobial agents address this growing problem. That is Eric Reed, a professor of biological and biomedical sciences at Bryant University in Rhode Island. And with that, we come to the end of our show today. Many thanks to our guests and to you, our listeners, whether you tuned in via our affiliate stations, FM or Shortwave, or via our online podcast at voaafrica.com. Remember to connect with us on our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, on Instagram. We are also on YouTube where you can watch our videos. Remember to like, share, and to subscribe. Until next time, let's connect same time right here on The Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani. Have a great week ahead, Africa. Voice of America's news, talk, and music programs are now at the tip of your fingers. Find everything at www.voaafrica.com. Listen to VOA's program lineup live anytime, day or night. Pick out your favorite shows and listen anytime you want. Download our podcast. Check VOA.